Professor Brian! Anybody home? Oh, bloody hell. Ah. Hey, Vince, what's your ETA? My what now? Oh, sorry, do you not have that expression out here? It's American slang for estimated time of arrival. Uh, when do you get here? Uh, that's not that's not even slang, that's, that's an acronym. I thought you were a professor of English. It doesn't matter. Um, where are you? I'm in the main office, and... Oh, snap, you're here? Yo, Vince, I'm up here. Vince? No, 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 stop messing around, Professor. I'm in the main office. I've had a really long... Really long flight out here, dude. I'm super jet-lagged. You said we'd meet at the office. No, I am in the office. The office space in which... No, I'm in the office. <sighs> Brian, what... What country are you in? Yeah, it's really confusing. Is it Britain? Is it England? Which one's the country and which one's the state? Why? What country are you in? I'm just in the country. I just spent four hours going through customs because they, they thought my deck boxes were a little bit suspect. Huh. You know what's funny? I've never once had that problem in customs with my decks. That's because you play merfolk, Brian. There's minimal threat there. There's like zero threat, actually. When was the last time merfolk won anything? I think we're in the wrong countries, Brian, you dodrian old fool. No. I'm in the wrong country. You are in America. Oh, Brian. Hey, wait a sec. You said you're in my office, not outside it. How'd you get in my office? It's a it's a four-digit code, Brian. Any British person could solve that. We invented computers. Wait, how did you get into my house? Did you did you get over the moat and under the portcullis and did my servants let you in? Oh, your servants all hate you, and I think they're downstairs dancing and stealing your silverware. I'm just rummaging through your library. Stay exactly where you are. I'll be there shortly. And by shortly, I mean about 11 hours. Hello and welcome to another episode of Dies to Removal. I am Vince, also known as Pleasant Kenobi, and I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Brian of the Telerian Community College, is also apparently in England with me, according to our opening skit. Well, Good we both, afternoon. We both flew back. We both flew back. So oh, I right, got on a okay. plane and you got on a plane right. and we missed each other again. Oh, we missed. Sorry, I wasn't sure what the canon was, you see. But now at least people know. People can now put this into a wiki in 15 years' time when there's a Dies to Removal wiki to follow all the storylines and things. Well, you had to get back for GP London, which is coming up. You'll be at GP London. Yes. I'm I, am, I am so hyped. I'm afraid so you, you, I can't make it to London this year. I was at London last year, and I just can't make it make it to London. I'm sorry. But if you're in the Seattle area, you can pre-release with me at Mox Boarding House <laughs> Ballard. That's where I will be at Mox Boarding House, otherwise known as previously known as Card Kingdom, in the Ballard location at the Saturday night pre-release. And if you're in Europe, go pre-release with Vince at GP London, Magic Fest London. So, I will be playing the new war set at obviously Magic Fest London as well as playing quite a bit of Legacy and just bumming around and mucking about. So come and say hello. Do not be shy. I am beyond hype. I love GPs, especially on uh, good old sovereign British soil. Soon not to be European soil because of the political decisions of questionable people. But this week, we're not talking about any of that stuff, Brian. That's we're right. We're talking about... We're talking about how do you pronounce... That's right. F f how do you pronounce Flubblefuff? Fibblethip. That is how you pronounce Fibblethip. Why does it sound so easy coming out of your mouth? Fibblethip. 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 Considering some of the British words and sayings I've heard over the years, I would think Fibblethip not only is easy for you to say, but would probably sound quite familiar to all your, ooh, it's the dibbly, bibbly, bop stuff that's always coming across the In all, in all fairness, that, that's, that's quite a concise answer, and I was hoping that topic would be more of a bigger podcast than that. I guess we can, we yeah. can just how do you up, pronounce? How do you pronounce a word is not a, a thing of discussion. It's how do you pronounce oh. a word, fibble Why didn't you tell me that before we started? That was, I thought that was the, oh. But what else yes. can we talk about then? Well, I think that uh, given the set that has now been spoiled, uh, oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, many Magic the Gathering players ask the question, 
MTG War. What is it good for? Is it absolutely <laughs> nothing? I disagree. I think there's some really great cards in here, and I think we should start off by just going over our favorite cards from the set. And then I also want to talk about, in this episode, Planeswalkers. Are there too many of them? And what effect is this legitimately going to have, not only on standard, but the game, and on Planeswalker design for sets going forward? But first, let's just talk about something we love, cards that we love. Should I go first okay. or shall you? Yeah, you, um, you can start. You can start. All right. Well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm got to stay pick? on brand. I got to stay on brand. Now, again, I want to stress to viewers at home, we're going to talk about like if we've got any picks for overpowered cards or things like that. This isn't mm -hmm. like what I think are the best cards in the set. These are my favorite cards in the set. And I'm going to have to stay on brand and say my number one pick for Prof's favorite, Kiora Behemoth Beckoner, because she's a merfolk. She's a planeswalker. So on, you and said she's on brand, but this card's good. This card. <laughs> oh, oh. Like, and she's not synergistic with Merfolk because she wants good, powerful four drops to draw cards off of. My Merfolk are diddly crappy little tutus. Who says the British have no sense of humor besides the rest of the world? So, Kiora. <laughs> Kiora Behemoth Beckoner is an uncommon planeswalker that costs two and either a green or a blue. I love that it's either a green or yeah, a blue. Definitely. So you can put her in a mono green standard deck. You can put her in a mono blue standard deck and be able to cast her. Uh, and she comes in with seven loyalty, which is whoppingly high. And her uh, static ability is whenever a creature with power four or greater enters the battlefield under your control, draw a card. So this is fantastic, this card. I love this card. This card is going to be great in Commander, by the way, EDH. Mm -hmm, uh, I, I, I can't wait to put her in so many of my uh, Commander decks that are in blue and green, pretty much all of them that are using big creatures. But I also really like how high her starting loyalty is because the untapped target permanent, you can get up to all kinds of shenanigans in all kinds mm -hmm. of different decks. And a lot of the planeswalkers usually, but whether they're normal mythic planeswalkers or some of these weird, uncommon, rare ones that we've got in war, which we'll talk about the impact of later, you get a couple of uses of it, right? You get like someone comes in at four and they've got a negative two loyalty, right? And so you get two uses or, or they come in at five with a negative two loyalty. You get a couple of uses and this is seven if I want to. Well, I think Kiora is actually better than the, the majority of the other uncommon walkers because normally you'll yeah. get them, you'll down tick them, and then they get attacked and die. That's something that I've noticed with a lot of them. Some of them come in seven as well, like I think um, Kea does. Right. Yeah, and Hawalti and stuff. But this one with Kiora, you can you can cast her early off of a mana dork, for example, if you've got one mana mana dorks like Lanawa Elves, and then you can untap your Lanawa Elf to give protection. That's not ideal, throwing your, your mana elf under the bus to protect your planeswalker, but it means that she's actually got inbuilt protection, which a lot of the uncommon walkers don't tend to have. They tend to have a finite use, like you said, they've got loyalty, a couple, uh, minus ability they can do once, twice, three times. But she's seven loyalty, minus one, and she can untap a blocker, which protects herself, which is just mad. I think she is probably the second best, in my opinion, of the uncommon walkers in the set. Oh, really? So, uh, what do you think is the best uncommon walker? So, one of my picks for my top five is the new Sahili, the Sublime oh, Artificer. Yes. So a similar card to uh, Cura in the fact that it is a three-mana walker. This one's slightly harder to cast. It's it's one colorless mana and then two hybrid red-blue mana. So what, it can be two blue and colorless or two red and colorless. I'll just explain that in the most bumbling British way possible. But it's basically three mana with two hybrid, two hybrid pips. And whenever you cast a non-creature spell, so that's not just sorcery or instant, that's also artifact. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, like that's also planeswalkers, by the way, you make a 1-1 one, one servo token. So the reason I think this card is going to be so good is because it's a bit young peasy, it's a little bit monastery mentor, but it's also like Sai, who we've seen see play in uh, modern decks like uh, the Egg, not Eggs variants, so the, the Lantern variants, like four-color Whir and Lantern, as a sideboard option. When people sideboard that removal spells, you get this, this body that makes more and more bodies and draws you cards. Now, Sai does draw you cards, which is kind of a bit better, but Sai also dies to Fatal Push and removal spells that, that Sahili dodges, for right. example. Um, she's also very good in potentially formats like Vintage, where all your Moxen start to make you cards as well. Her, her down tick is minus two, 
and it allows you to copy another artifact, I believe. That's correct, isn't it? Target artifact you control becomes a copy of another artifact or creature you control. So you can turn a Moxon into another Monastery Mentor, or you can turn a um, Ensnaring Bridge into a Tarmac, and all sorts of weird things you can do with it. So it's unique That's in the way that turns... That's a really weird ability, by the way. That it is, is really is... weird and very unique, which makes me excited for it. And it just seems like, in terms of utility, the card is really strong. Like, really strong. I think this is a card... There's a lot I like about this card, although I will point out this is exactly what I meant when talking about Cure and what I like about Cure is 7. Loyalty with only negative one to activate is here with Sahili, we've got a five starting loyalty and negative two, which unless we've got proliferate, you get two uses of her power. It's a very big power. Don't get me wrong. Sure. I'm not, that is, that is, this power has some potential and I'm going to say outside of standard is where we're probably really going to see some shenanigans and I like shenanigans. Do, do, you, know, do you know why the most exciting thing I can think of off the top of my head? That's What's exciting. That? It's, it's not me, exciting. It's, 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 it's value. So yeah. you play a tireless tracker in a land, right? Okay. And you make a clue and then Sahili can down tick to turn the clue into another tracker next turn right. so you can then play a fetch land and get yourself four clues now that's not going to kill your opponent but the amount of value you get out of that is absurd yeah. so yeah I, the, the weird interactions the weird weird things you can do with this card are going to be so exciting and then don't forget as well if she makes all these tokens she can ramp you into the new Tezzeret as well because right. that's got it gives things or, or cards off the Tezzeret because it gives them all affinity it's just so unique and so cool and I'm excited to see what people do with it and again she has another thing I really uh, uh, like about her is not just uh, one of my, my my things I always look for on a planeswalker in particular is low casting cost because we get mm -hmm. some really mm -hmm. cool spicy planeswalker abilities and they'll often slap them on some seven cost planeswalker which well, not impossible. Obviously, some of the most terrifying planeswalkers do cost in the seven range, as we all know from yeah. modern. But you know what I mean, that that's, that's going to make it very situational, diff more difficult to get out. And when I see planeswalkers at four, that's kind of like where I start to pay attention. And when they, they go below that into three, mwah, and she's not only at three, uh, exactly. but she's in the hybrid mana. So you were just talking about pairing her with Tireless Tracker, but imagine if she was one mana of any color, one red and one blue, that then becomes a much lot harder. more much, difficult. Much and here I could see, you know, decks where it's like, okay, well, we don't have red, but we've got uh, blue in here. We don't have blue, but we've got red in here. And so she's very versatile. She's very flexible. Uh, and that ability is so interesting. Uh, she's definitely one I'm considering. I haven't finalized my lists for absolute if top she doesn't cards show of modern. Up, if but, she doesn't yeah. show up in main boards, I'm pretty sure she will be a sideboard card. I wouldn't be surprised if you see people even just, uh, at least for the first month or two of war, people just playing her in weird places. Right. So look forward to someone turning their Mox Opal into a third cranial plating in Affinity, and you're just like, well, <laughs> I'm dead. That's so, <laughs> so cool. She'll show up in weird places. <clears throat> weird, weird places. Yeah, that's, that's, oh, that, that, that that's such a, a cool use. And I think also Commander obviously uh, mm -hmm, this is mm -hmm. a lot of fun in commander with if some only of the she could be your commander hey? i disagree i disagree let's 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 refer to kiora imagine if kiora that i just mentioned was your commander that would be out of control that would just be out of control uh, is it any more out of control than like sise or another creature yes. that's like really powerful Yes. No, Let's no, save no, the no, debate no. before yes, our that's a viewers whole, that's another erupt topic perhaps for in another a riot. Time, yeah. I'm going to move on, and I'm going to say my <laughs> next my next pick uh, for favorite card of the set for the professor is tapping into my emotion. It's tapping into my impulsiveness. It's tapping into some of my passion and dare I say it rage. And it's not a planeswalker. That's right. There's a few legendary creatures of note, just a few, uh, in War of the Spark, and it is Ilharg the Raz. Bore. Ilharg, and I have no idea if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Ilharg? Ilharg? I don't know. Well, but it's interesting you call him Razbor, isn't it? Razbor? Isn't he a Razbor? I isn't don't he raising... freaking know. Raising, yeah, raising... Legend, okay, how about I just call it Boar for the Boar God. Boar for the Boar God uh, is it's just so much fun. 6-6, six, six, Three man of any color, two red, legendary, so this can be your commander. It's got trample, that's always nice, but whenever the boar god, whatever his pronunciation or pronunciation, depending on how you pronounce pronounce, uh, attacks, 
You may put a creature card from your hand onto the <coughs> battlefield, tapped and attacking, return the creature to your hand at the beginning of the next end step. When the boar god thingy dies or is put into exile from the battlefield, very interesting that it also counts just going into exile, you may put it into its owner's library, third from the top. So guess what? This is on flavor. It doesn't die to removal. Not even Path to Exile will it take care of it. It temporarily dies. He goes away for You can send him on a holiday, but he will come okay, back. Okay, it dies to removal, but it comes back. Yes. And Which is the, also, that's important. All, all the, every, every time we get gods, they always have some form of like inevitability or recurability, shall we say. Uh, we had the Amenket gods would come back out of hand or be indestructible. We had indestructible gods in. There are, this time around, all five of the gods all have this weird go to the third of your top of your library mechanic, which is interesting because it means that they come back and just keep battling. Yeah, and keep battling, but I mean, if the, if, if the removal ways. doesn't stick, if it is built in to have an expiration date on it, it's not really removal, it's delay. It's not like I'm yeah. going to remove the gods or I'm going to remove the boar. I'm going to delay it for a few turns. And But I don't think they have the inevitability of, say... Well, like the indestructible gods had, or Scarab right, God, for example, come back right. that turn. You do get several turns before they come back, but that's only part of the excitement. I mean, the Boar God is absurdly fun. Like, you get to give, like, Eldrazi um, dash, although they don't gain the Annihilator trigger, so kind of fair in some ways. You get to put all sorts of nonsense into place. So, so are you going to try this as your commander, or are you going to try this in standard? Standard, where, where do you want to play the Boar God? Uh, the first thing I want to do is try for some serious flavor with a hyper gruel smash deck with this boar but absolutely like uh as so the question is is for commander do you make this your commander or do you find uh, a home for it in something like i don't know a xenogod deck or i think I think it's so, again, unique. So this is something about yeah. War of the Spark. So, so we, I meant to mention this before we got to our cards. War of the Spark, I, we talked before when we did like our stuff around um, Ravnical Ages, just how the power level is going back up again. War is off the charts. Like I think some of the cards are absurdly powerful. And we've also got so many unique effects. We've got cards we've been waiting for for ages. Cards that remove counters from opponents and, and all sorts yeah. of weird things. And like Planeswalker removal at low cost and stuff. This guy is so unique compared to red uh, other red commanders because there aren't other red commanders that cheat things from hand as far as I can recall or can think of. So Ilharg is cool because you have him in your command zone. You can you can haste him out with your bandit lord um, hall or your greaves or whatever and just start slamming big red fatties, you yep. know, um, Begarden Hellkites or Nehebs to get the mana and all these cool big red creatures. So it's a new archetype within uh, red commander, which we didn't have before. Well, so it reminds really me cool. in some ways, where, did you ever play in your playgroups? Uh, I know everybody remembers the Joyra Legendary from Dominaria, but the original Joyra from way back Oh, yeah, in... I had a deck. I had a deck. I used right. to suspend Kozilek and Ulamon. Right, right, right. And, well, and that's Emrakul, a very when she was legal in Commander back in the day when Emrakul was legal. <laughs> well, but she, before she, that, before I got my Titans, I just suspend the biggest thing I owned, which were like, yeah, like eight, eight. Eight for eight. So eight, eight, eight for eight. Another nonsense. When I first started playing Commander, I was just raiding my binder for the biggest things I could suspend. Right, right. Well. And that's why uh, Original Joyra is such a uh, starter commander. Is she's fifty cents yeah. herself. You get her, and then you literally look for any blue, red, big creatures. You put together a very basic mana base, and you can literally just start time counter, time counter, time counter, time counter. Or I'm sorry, suspend counter, suspend counter, suspend counter, and and suddenly it gets to this point where every turn something smashing through that breach as it were and the boar really reminds me of that where we don't need those big blue krakens necessarily we're just going to grab big red dragons big red fatties and and have a lot I of guess fun it has a danger and i think you probably build a towards... really budget a really good budget commander deck oh out definitely of this. definitely there's a, there's a fear that you might move too close towards the other big artifact red commanders like felden and things where there's just blight steel and dark silk losses right so I, I personally would probably try and stick oh actually you've got to play blight steel right because you could just one shot someone out of nowhere and really upset someone at your commander night and they probably won't talk to you for a week well that's but the so, goal yeah, be... that's the goal is to upset someone at commander <laughs> Commander, commander is just commander is a at least fun one format, and fun means pissing your friends off. It's it's not commander night until until there's been at least one argument. Right? Yep, that's not yep. a real commander night. So. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. So, what about you, um, Vince? What's next on your so list? So, on the topic of unique commanders, then yes. one of my other five is going to be Feather the Redeemed. Of course. Um, so. Uh, 
Not only because A, she's going to be a very, very unique Boros commander. So she's a spell duplicating uh, red, white, uh, legendary angel. I'm just going to get her up here so I can read her stats for exactly. I think she's a 3-4 for 3 is the other reason I want to talk about her. There she is, yeah. So she's red, white, white for an, a legendary angel that is a 3-4. She has flying. And whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell that targets a creature you control, exile that card instead of putting it into your graveyard. And as it resolves, if you do return it to your hand at the beginning of the next end step. So we have a 3-mana three 3-4, three, which already makes her playable in standard uh, and also makes her potentially, depending on how good you can combo with her, uh, uh, in some sort of weird fringe modern deck. She won't break modern, but you could play with her for fun. I definitely will. But in Commander, she gives you this weird spell duplicating value line that Boros doesn't often get. So Red White often gets mocked for not having the toys to play up to the big boys of the format, like the big green-blue decks and things. Here, we can turn, like, simple one-mana cantrips. Is it Sure Strike? Oh, am I getting the name right? Sure it's a one-mana spell. Yeah. Yeah, plus one, plus zero, draw a card. That card alone, every turn, you can just cast on your dude, draw a card. Next turn, cast on your dude, draw a card. As you go around the table, like the amount of value you can get out of casting cards that otherwise are terrible in Commander is absurd. And then don't forget, you can also just go a whole different strategy of a pump burn as well. Kind of like um, Harder, the, the Zedron grinder in a way. Mm -hmm. But again, opening you up to white, which gives you more toys and more things to play with. So yeah, Feather, I think, again, opens up some unique space in terms of how you can build your decks and how you can play commander and that's one of my favorite things about war the spark so feathers one of my picks for uh exemplifying that in war the spark so my next pick is not necessarily i mean we can debate just how powerful this is in a second but it's the type of card that i really love i'm a big fan of land land has always been the thing that fascinated me from the early days when i played during revised and just had the dual lands and really liked collecting lands as your mana base and i love functioning lands lands that do different things lands that serve a utility purpose that is more than just providing a, a colorless mana sort of thing and i am just absolutely excited about Karn's Bastion more than anything as something that goes into commander decks. Uh, mm -hmm. There's a lot of potential here. Obviously, they put this in here so that we would have the ability to proliferate in just about any deck with any combination of uh, Planeswalkers and Standard. But given the nature of uh, counters and how they work, in uh, Commander and how much they are important and how much Proliferate can do in Commander. Karn's Bastion, to me, I want to start collecting foil versions of this pronto. It's a land. We can tap it for a colorless mana. Fine. But we can spend there's four... There's two arts, isn't there? Is there two arts? Are there two arts? Well, there's a promo I'm, of I, it. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm sure I saw a different art. Yeah. I don't know what the promo oh, is I, I've got it in front of me. I'll put it up on the screen in the podcast. Uh, uh, there's there's uh, uh, the promo for it, and then there is the regular art that you'll get in booster packs. Yeah, I think this card's a bit of a sleeper in some ways. That, That's what I like uh, about it. Was it. Very, it was very early in the in the whole spoiler cycle, and I have not really seen anyone talk about it. So I was glad that you picked it for one of your five, because... Yeah. You are right, like, it, it's such an easy include for any deck that needs to proliferate counters, whether that be some sort of um, artifact deck with, like, you know, needs to charge counters, or the obvious thing being super friends or planeswalkers. I also think it might sneakily be good, maybe in a, something in standard, where, like, you've got multiple walkers, you can pass the turn with the counter magic up. If you don't have to do anything, you just proliferate your walkers, and you're one step closer to ultimating some of these absurd, rare, and mythic yeah. walkers that we've not even touched upon. So I think the card is generally quite good because the opportunity cost is so low for including your deck because it's a land right but also keep in mind that we've got all of these uncommon and rare walkers and again it's hard to say I, I always have a lot of difficulty envisioning things like a draft environment or even a standard meta until i actually am sitting down and kind of getting to play in it i'm not very good at future sight of like oh well here's what i what what these decks are going to look like i don't even like to engage in that too much but i do think it's fair to say that what we're going to be seeing especially in limited which again it's not my favorite format but we're going to be seeing probably decks where you are sitting down to have multiple planeswalkers in that deck in the same way you would mm -hmm. sit down mm -hmm. with multiple creatures well now you're sitting down with multiple planeswalkers as well as some creatures and proliferate is just going to be so important 
when you've got a Kiora and a, 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 I don't know, a Tybalt or whatever on there, and they've got a very good loyalty ability, but they've only got a few uses of it for ones other than Kiora, and so the Proliferate will help you build it up there. So it's not even so much as making an ultimate ability, which is obviously great, but just imagine having three various uncommon and or rare planeswalkers on your board. You're using their negative abilities. You don't really have a way to uptick uh, them and you're able to then proliferate each turn and it hits more than one. It isn't just proliferate and add a counter to one. It is to all. Uh, or as many as you want, you can pick. Uh, and, and so that is just fantastic, I think, for what we're going to see in Standard and Limited. I think it's a key utility piece. But what this is going to do in Commander, possibly in Legacy Modern decks, is also... I guess it's Hardened really Scales Affinity reliable. is the only modern deck I can think of where it could actually be absurd. Like, yeah. you just activate it and you tick up the counters on your Ravagers and your Artbound right. Workers right. and your Walking Ballistas and, and their Chalices, because it has like weird fringe applications where you can uptick their stuff to mess them up and things. So actually, as a one-of in Hardened Scales Affinity... I mean, they play the Graffland. It's this an is answer to Chalice. Good, right? It's an answer. Like, listen, so for Merfolk, people run Chalice on two against me. And I'm de it's, I, I might as well scoop, right, in Merfolk. Uh, uh, if they were, they, they resolve a Chalice on two. You've got Eighth of All, though. Just... Okay, but uh, you see what I mean, and and there's other decks yeah. like that, uh, uh, decks where you resolve uh, your 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 chalice on 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 the magic number for the deck that you're playing yeah. against, where ninety percent of that deck is at that number. Running a copy of Karn's Bastion is not necessarily going to mess up most mana bases, and it's still producing a mana, albeit a colorless one, but that throws off their chalice. It, mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. it's just like you're just going boink and knocking knocking their counter off in the wrong direction. And, yeah, and, and I can see, I can see myself I, doing I, that. I, like I can see that. myself checking up and pumping my walking blisters and my tesserets behind an ensnaring bridge in some sort of weird yeah. prison brew. So I, I don't I don't necessarily think it's going to make waves in modern, but I don't think Not it's a million miles off. Those aren't always. I mean, I think it's co it's cost. If its cost was one or two mana lower, I think it would be absurdly good in modern. Oh sure. I guess they put it in a very safe space, which is good. Being safe is probably better than breaking formats, but the the card is undeniably good, especially inside Commander and things like that. Yeah, yeah. So what do you what do you have next on your list? So I guess let's if we're talking about Khan's Bastion, I want to talk about Khan himself. Oh, so going to Big Daddy Khan, Khan, the great creator. Yeah. So yes. I want to at least talk about one of the mythic rares or myth or, or rare planeswalkers. Uh -huh. uh, Ugin's pretty good, and like Liliana, I think is actually really quite good as well. Almost as good as like Elspeth's Sun Champion, but that's more for standard potentially. Right. I think Khan is my favorite of the new walkers. Uh, tied with Gideon, but Khan because he's almost a stacks piece. He turns off your opponent's artifacts, which, when paired with a certain six mana artifact, Microsynth Lattice, means that you can turn off your opponent's lands. So I genuinely think I'm going to be playing this on my channel without. Well, I say genuinely think I know I'm going to be playing this on my channel because <laughs> you can just tr you can Tron, you can curve Khan into Microsynth Lattice of Tron Mana, and suddenly none of their lands work, and all they can do is attack if they've got creatures. You know what? Um, uh, I'm really proud of you on that one, Vince. That's actually, I'm impressed. I, and I mean this. <laughs> we're only, what? we're 30 minutes. We're 30 minutes into the episode and it, before, you oh. plugged, before you plugged your channel. 30 minutes, this is a new I actually, record. Actually, I started out the intro saying I'm Vince Austin's peasant carrier on the internet, hoping people go, oh, wow, maybe I should search him and they'll find the channel. No, button. no one will I, do that someone's, ever. Someone's got to promote me. You won't. I didn't get a spoiler from Wizards, so someone's got to promote me. Did All you right? not get a spoiler from Wizards? Nope. <laughs> wow. And the thing is, as well, not everyone gets spoilers every single time, so that's fine. But then when it end up being like probably one of my favorite spoiler seasons of all time, and probably one of the most like iconic sets potentially, because of how the power level and how the spoiler season panned out, and the and the recent you know the story developments and everything, and I was like, this is so great. I'm like, oh, I wish I was part of that. Hash, I wish I was part hash, of hashtag, telling that story. Hashtag unpleasant Kenobi. Hashtag unpleasant no, I'm Kenobi. Not. I, you shut your you shut your your mouth. You. <laughs> Gaudy old fool. I'm I'm lovely, and I just want to be part of telling that story to the community. But anyway, there's always next time. There's always All next right, time. Con but continue, continue to uh, to roll uh, it back from you trolling me like some sort of troll under a bridge with your trolley cup and your trolley tie. Um, yeah, Khan can also fetch things out of your sideboard, which is yeah. 
really cool. So he can you can be playing him in one of these Tron prison decks that I generally think might be a thing now. Like, you know, just Mud Tron, Eldrazi Tron, as it were. And you can go get that one of Ensnaring Bridge out of your board if right. your deck where Ensnaring Bridge is really good. Um, and then, yeah, he does, uh, what's the other thing he does? Uh, up to one target non-creature artifact becomes an artifact creature of power and toughness. Okay, yeah, cool, whatever. That's kind of cool. Your Microsynth Lattice becomes a 6-6 six, six and starts hitting them. Fine, that's cool. And once Lattice is in play and they can't tap their lands, right. you start upticking Khan to blow up a land every turn because it becomes a 0-0 zero, zero creature. Right. Now, you don't need to do this anymore because our lands don't tap for any mana, but it's almost like a throwback and a callback to how the original Khan Silver Golem used to do that combo with March the Machines at Microsoft Flash, which is an old EDH thing like I used to do my friends and they all hated me and I was like, well, shouldn't be playing cards that died at this combo oh Vince, anyway that's not why that's they hated just, you that's just icing upon the top of the the the, the stony lock piece if you get my drift the stony the silent lock piece that is khan the great creator so, so this, I is think he's cool. this is your favorite planeswalker from the set yeah because we haven't really had like lockout planeswalkers before so this set we've got this and we've got i think dovin also like makes spells cost more and stuff so i'm right. all about lock pieces and prison and taxes and all that sort of jazz and this guy i generally think could make a new version of tron almost or just make eldrazi tron obnoxious uh more so than it already is so yeah i love khan the, the great creator he also sounds like a rapper do you not think khan the great creator great creator like drop a sick a sick mixtape with a like oh i'm a big fan of the great creator yeah, that does that does work. That does work there. That does work. Well, uh, my next pick, and I have to give respect to Niv Mizzet Reborn. Uh, he got right. better. He died, and then he got better. Uh, it was but a scratch. But a scratch, and getting some real, uh, 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 real shades of. Uh, 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 Progenitus or Child of Alara here with uh, uh, one of every color, and you get a 6 6 flying at Dragon Avatar. When Niv Mizzet Reborn enters the battlefield, reveal the top 10 cards of your library. 10, just like the 10 guilds of Ravnica. And for each color pair, those Ravnican guilds are all color paired. Choose a card that's exactly those colors from among them. Put the chosen cards into your hand and the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. So the potential here is just extraordinary. Never mind standard. What type of commander decks does this scream to you? Uh, clunky ones that don't work? No! What? I'm sorry. Look, I've agreed with you with so much so far. We've been on the same hype. But I I am a bona fide 100% Niv Mizzet fanboy. The first real commander deck I ever had was the Firemind. I loved comboing people with that guy. I love Niv. He is my favorite dragon in magic, okay? He's better. Ujitai comes second. Niv Mizzet is the boy, right? He is the big, smarty pants. And this just. I don't know. It kind really? of sucks. Like the down, the downside, the, the floor, the floor is that you you spend five mana of every color right. to make a six six flyer, and then it triggers, and you maybe yeah, hopefully you get. Well, you got to build your deck to make it obviously hit more often, but you get a couple well, you, of cards out of it. I mean, compare no, him to no, no, compare get, him to the Perun. You can get ten cards out of it. If you, you could get ten if you hit all ten guilds. Yeah, you could get 10. Yes, you could sure. get 10 cards out of it. The, ch the chance this of you is... getting 10 are statistically very unlikely, oh, though, right? Oh, man. You, you, really, you really don't think that this just screams, like, I just, I, build the, around the flavor commander? Cause, cause, so, so, so Fire, Firemind was awesome, right? Right. Draco Genius, no one likes Draco Genius. He's a bit dull, okay? Oh, no, yes. Then Perun came around, right? It's Perun, Perun, whatever it's pronounced like. And he was so good. Everyone was like, oh, like, people weren't sure. Then they played with him and he was godlike. Everyone's Niv Mizzet's back. He's like, he's so good in standard. He's a great commander. He's incredibly powerful. People were putting him in vintage off of Oath to stop storm decks. He was absurd. Right. And then they're like, okay, he's dead now. And you're like, okay, I'm pretty sad about that. No, no, he's not dead. He's now a mythic and he's reborn, but he's a five color six six that might draw you a couple of cards, then does nothing once he's in play. And I I'm agree like, he should that's... have been a five-color 10-10 to be on flavor. I believe he... I, I will agree he should have been <laughs> if a five-color 10-10. Yeah, color if, his, if, 10 his power, yeah if, his, if his power and toughness... Well, I don't know. You can't make him too so big. So what you're saying is, is you like to build miserable commander decks that lock out everybody and make everybody hate you, but you don't like actually having fun in commander and building No, theme. I love having fun, but I find this guy to be just a bit boring. He just... I, I just feel like, like, like if you want to build a rat Ravnica commander deck that you're only using Ravnica cards or themes, huh. like not 
not okay. a Selesnia deck, not an Is it deck. It it seems like no, okay, there's I'll a concede lot that. of I think a lot of that is this probably, is the guy that is he the is leader the best. of Ravnica. Is he the only five color legendary from Ravnica though? So he's like the only one we can have. But there you go. There's no oh, competition, you, right? Man, wait, wait, dump a bucket on my power. Right, I'm sorry. I'm me. sorry. I show agree me. with all your points so far. Right, We've been ahead. on the same show page. Me, but it wouldn't be a fun podcast pick. if I agreed with you all the time, Brian, would it? Show me your next just, pick, Vince. Okay, my uh, next pick that's is Bolas' Citadel. That card is rubbish. Why is Bolas' Citadel? Oh, I didn't rubbish? hear what you Come said. On. I didn't hear what you said. I just. <laughs> I know you didn't. Bolas' Citadel. Yes. Okay, I'll tell for the viewers at home, it's three colors mana and three black. It is a legendary artifact. It is a black artifact, which colored artifacts was actually. Like, it's not very common that we see these. We see them now and again showing up here and there, but it's it's cool that that they're they're willing to put like um, affinity on the new Tesseract, for example, or have colored colored artifacts in the set. They're willing to do these little splashes into like um, keywords that aren't like a mainstay of the set. I love that. It's a legendary artifact. You may look at the top card of your library at any time. Just like Future Sight in some ways. You may play the top card of your library. If you cast a spell this way, pay life equal to its converted mana cost rather than pay its mana. It also has tap, sacrifice 10 non-land permanents. Each opponent loses 10 life. So it is, not only is it flavor-wise, it's the Death Star and it shoots people for 10 damage. Not quite Death Star levels of damage, but it's still pretty good. I don't, what's, it allows you... Wait, what's that card? I don't, I'm not familiar with that card. What's that? The Death Star? Death Star? What sets that from? Uh, it's from a custom set called Star Wars. Oh my god, is that a Star Wars reference? Okay. Yeah, I, I'm so I'm sorry you that you uh, absolutely. Star, it sounds like a magic card. I don't know. I, I'm so I'm so sorry that you refuse to understand pop culture in any way, apart from Doctor Who, obviously. Um, but this card has so many interesting and exciting applications, mainly in weird combo decks, in vintage and legacy, probably like like Doomsday decks and stuff, where you just chain baubles and eggs and things off the top of your library, and then cast rituals, then cast tutors, and and with Sensei's Divining Top, you get to reorder the top of your library. And just go mad. Go absolutely mad. This card is a ticking time bomb for some sort of weird combo deck. Yeah. I don't think it's going to ruin a format, but I think it could make for a very fun combo deck. I think that uh, there's a lot of formats where you can figure out a way to get 10 chumps real easy and in a recurring sure, fashion, sure. Uh, uh, never minding just being able to play top card of your library, depending on the deck, uh, the cost in life. I mean, in Commander, cost in life isn't that bad You when you've got 40. Uh, sure, sure. You know, so lands you, you don't make cost a you anything. Point, I'm... I'm like I'm I'm going out on the conjecture here of like comboing off and playing your whole library, but you've got a very good point that even the downside, the lowest side of things, that it's a six mana card that basically draws you at least one card every turn and has this alternate mode of firing your tokens at people. So yeah, yeah, like the card is just absolutely legit. Whether it be a commander staple or whether it's in some weird doomsday variant in Legacy or Vintage down the line, yeah, I love it, and it's also so flavorful as well. This big Death Star battle station. My next pick, my next pick is a card that I would like to see you trash, like you trashed my Niv-Mizzet pick. I'm gonna try, I'm gonna try. Really? This is a great one. Soul Diviner, Soul Diviner. One blue, one black, it's a 2-3 zombie wizard tap to remove a counter, remove a counter from an artifact, creature, land, or planeswalker you control. Draw a card. This is awesome, this card. Okay, it is pretty cool. It's, yes, it's, it's, okay, you're it's, not going to die. I was just waiting for you to, like, scoff. Well, I was just thinking of all the cool cards in the set. Is it one of the coolest? I, I really like... I really like that we're removing counters, which is not yeah. a, a common I mean, it's thing. a zombie wizard, Brian. It's wicked. The card is really cool. Like, I, I can't complain. Absolutely. Uh, uh, I think that this is going to have a lot of fun in standard, just in general. I mean, being able to uh, 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 take uh, uh, those counters off uh, in exchange for drawing a card. If you get stalled out, now, it is a counter from an artifact, creature, land, or planeswalker that you control. So no, like, dis making one of your opponent's planeswalkers unloyal to you. But I think, again, in this environment where you're going to have a lot of planeswalkers under your control, you might not always need their downtick ability each turn. Sure. And so it's like, maybe I have got, maybe I have got someone out in play and, like, Tybalt. 
and I don't need to go down uh, 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 a loyalty with him this turn, but I still want to do something with him this turn. Soul Diviner is like giving another downtick ability, which I mean, is saying a card the... makes Tybalt better isn't much of an argument, right? Like any card. Well, I was just trying to think of Tybalt. an example. I was just trying to think. I, of I know example. you were. I was yes. making the old joke that Tybalt's useless and crappy, right? Uh, uh, a three, <laughs> a, a three toughness uh, a blocker at two, dropping this out early game to to stop some. some... I mean, yeah, even its stats are above vanilla, and like yeah. the flavor as well. Not not. Only the whole like threatening Domri raid thing, which is cool and everything, but but the fact that it it literally it literally uh, trades loyalty, like the, the 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 resource that you have with the planeswalkers under your control, like Nicol Bolas has with Domri in this right. case, you're trading those for other resources. You're you're pushing them past their limits. You're potentially even killing or incapacitating some planeswalkers to get more resources. Is awesome. Like the card is just really cool. Also, I lied by the way. This was technically my spoiler card because everyone got an email saying you have an exclusive preview card. <laughs> wizards <laughs> and everyone got that the why they put exclusive in the in the in the subject i don't know because i know multiple creators who are like things words don't have to mean things <laughs> words don't mean things context doesn't matter right yeah yeah so but, what's, your the wicked, what's your, I, what's I your final what's your final what's your final okay then vince I've, I've left the best till last okay what do i you generally think this this is potentially the best card in the set it has potential to just just make new archetypes or make certain archetypes too good and modern and it's finale of devastation. Ah, so yes. all of the whole finale cycle was great. The red one, especially the blue one, seems good for like high tide and stuff. But finale of devastation is green, green X, sorcery speed. It has a dinosaur in the art, which could either be a carnage tyrant summoned to fight Nicol Bolas, or it could be everyone's favourite six mana Dreadmore, Right? Everyone wanted it in every set, so here it is in the art of finale of devastation. Right. So it's even got the meme factor, Brian. Right. But search your library and or graveyard for a creature card with converted mana cost X or less and put it onto the battlefield. If you search your library this way, shuffle it. If X is 10 or more, search... Oh, sorry. If X is 10 or more, creatures you control get plus X, plus X until end of turn. So this is basically, for the first half of it, it's green sun zenith for one extra green, except it can go into your graveyard. So That's to unpack that a little That's bit... That's pretty sweet. Uh, yeah, like, green doesn't have reanimation for creatures to battlefield very often, if at all. They can put things to hand with Eternal Witnesses and regrowths and things, but to put it into play is very unique. So, like, green commander decks, this is this is a staple. You don't make a green commander deck without this card. That doesn't does, does not happen, right? So it's absolutely, definitely a commander staple. But on top of that, not only is it a green suns for one extra mana that can search both graveyard and library, which is just, like, extra extra juice, it has added Crater Hoof mode at the end, where it turns whatever creature you fetch into Crater Hoof Behemoth. Right. So traditionally, in, like, Elves and Legacy... Um, and elves in modern to an extent, you go get your Azuri and you stampede over them, right? Or you get Crater Hoof Behemoth in Legacy and you just trigger, pump your team, kill them, right? Yeah. This says don't even play Crater Hoof Behemoth. You can go and get yourself an Ulamog. You can go and get yourself uh, even like a Solemn Simulacrum, but you still get the plus 10, plus 10 pump if 10 mana was dumped into it. So you can get whatever you want. And that creature gets haste. So you can even go and get Progenitus and make it a 2020 hasting creature. And to top it all off, to top it all off, it doesn't say green creature. Green Sun Zenith is uniquely only green creatures. It's like a balancing element of the card to make it balanced. This doesn't say green creature. Now, it's not going to replace Green Sun Zenith. Green Sun Zenith for Dried Arbor on turn one is, is like a huge big play in Legacy. And the Green Sun Zenith is banned in modern. So it's not as good as Green Sun Zenith. But it's comparable to Call of Calling. It probably makes Vizier decks in modern, the Vizier Infinite Mana Walking Blister combo decks, better. Uh, it makes the green decks just consistent. It's it's playable at every point in the game past turn three. The card is really, really good. Even if it's only a one or two of in core decks that want a Kiki Jiki combo or Vanifa combo or whatever. The card is really good. It's really good. As you said, adding just one green to what was already an incredibly powerful card, Green Sun yes. Zenith, to get so much more, turning, going into your graveyard, turning your creatures into Crater Hoof Behemoths, it, it's unbelievable. This is the card, so I had obviously, including cards like Niv Mizzet, gone through looking for my personal favorite cards. This is one of those cards that hits my list of just most powerful cards in the yeah, set. Yeah, 100%. Uh, I, mean, I guess that's I, the spike it, in me, getting there, where I'm like, oh, my favorite card's probably that card that's absurdly sure, powerful. Sure, sure, that but, makes a lot of sense. But also, I like playing green toolbox decks as well, like being able to get whatever tool you need at any one time, or just turn anything into a Crater Hoof. Crater Hoof Ulamog, anyone? Crater Hoof Hornet Queen, anyone? Hoof, there it you is. You can just... 
hoof there it is, but it doesn't have to be a hoof anymore. It could be right. anything. It could be, any, it could be yeah. a boat. It, it, and, well, and I also think the potential of this, even uh, uh, with smaller creatures, that you don't necessarily you know, uh, uh, that you're maybe grabbing something that can just push you over the top. Uh, you don't have to necessarily have that Ulamog in your deck in order to get this effect. So it's just fantastic. And, and, and the, just, to, just to sing a couple more which plays before we move on, it doesn't shuffle in, it doesn't exile itself, so you can go yep. get Eternal Witness and get it back. You can go get yourself um, Green Warden and Morassa and Commander and get it back. Um, and the fact that it goes to graveyards means that if they have somehow discarded one of your key combo pieces or a payoff that you can't get back, your singular crate of beam if you're playing that in, in your commander deck or your combo deck in, in modern or whatever, you can get that back with this. So the ups, it's just it's just green suns for one extra mana with all the extra added on staple bits. So I just can't help but look at it and go, this card has got to be really good somewhere. At the very minimum, this is an absolute commander all-star and you should pick up your foils as soon as you can before they get to silly prices. It's also a mythic as well, so the foils should... Get quite a nice tidy multiply. There's some MTG finance for you. We always do one finance thing, Brian, every episode. Hashtag MTG finance. Hashtag MTG finance. So now that we've gone over our favorite cards from the set, and there's so many more to go over. I mean, these are just our, our ones that we wanted to talk about. But I want to talk about a larger issue with this set, which is this is essentially the Planeswalkers Matter set. People have always been talking about when do we get a set where Planeswalkers, it's more than just... Uh, a, a few at the mythic level. When do we get common planeswalkers? We didn't get them in this set, but that was always the thing people were asking for. Uncommon planeswalkers, we got them. Rare planeswalkers, we got them. And then all kinds of support for those planeswalkers, which took the form of proliferate. Have we gone to the planeswalker well now? I wonder, have we changed the nature of planeswalkers, which were this kind of super secret sauce you only got a little of them in each set. They were always mythic. They were usually in some way, shape, or form kind of game-changing. If it wasn't a limited bomb, it was a standard bomb. Lots of them turned into these, you know, Liliana of the Veil level uh, Planeswalkers in, yeah. in modern. Yeah, Ch Chase almost. Uh, uh, Super Friends decks are out of control. It's hard to interact with them, and there's no way to interact with emblems, all this stuff. And, and now, did we kind of, like, just take a bunch of cards that could have been enchantments and artifacts, slap the word Planeswalker on it, get everybody super hyped, and then... Now it's no different than just an artifact in a set. Now it's just like, okay, ha have we oversaturated? Have we gone to the well? Or is this perfectly okay? Was this a brilliant move? What, what do you make of it? Um, I was incredibly concerned when I heard initially. I was like, well, like how good, not necessarily for standard or anything, but how good can a limited environment be if everyone's just like slamming planeswalkers over the right. shop? Um, I've come out of spoilers, spoilers, preview season, feeling a lot better. Um, but I, I generally cannot comment on how the gameplay has been affected until we've played with it because I still can't tell. Like, I think, to, to my opinion, my, my, my response to your question of are they just artifacts and enchantments with, with, with people slapped on them? Right. I think no, because the, the, the gameplay dynamic is different. So all of them care about proliferate, for example. Right. All of them have limited use. They will eventually die, similar to, like, I guess, some artifacts that have charge counters on them in some ways. And they can be attacked. So, from a, from a gameplay perspective, the, the dynamic is different. Um, from a flavor and a cohesive point of view as well, um, or cohesion, should I say, they are faces and they are like an ensemble cast. And I think that's worked very well in making this feel like more of an event than normal. But we can come to that in a bit of a moment when we talk about the story, perhaps. Um, so, no, I don't think they are like artifacts and charms. I thought they might end up being like that. But no, I don't think they're going to play like that. But I just can't... I don't want to be so safe with it, but I, I can't say for certain until we get to play with it. Is it still Magic... Well, uh, okay. Uh, I, I worry that Magic the Gathering has shifted into Magic the Planeswalkering, where as we're sitting down with all these Planeswalkers, that it is no longer the same game, that it's a different game, especially if I'm going to only have Planeswalkers and maybe a creature or two, and you're going to only have Planeswalkers and maybe a spell or two, and we're just, what it, what is happening here is no longer magic. It's it's planes, it's a, it's a subset of sure. magic. And I mean, I guess we should probably preempt this conversation with, we're both in the same boat where we weren't big fans of Planeswalkers before, right? Right. Yeah, is that I certainly, correct? I say? certainly wasn't. And yeah, uh, so like to throw out just real quickly, like brief points. I like I didn't like the story was always around walkers. Right. I didn't like how much walkers dominated 
gameplay. Right. Right. They're, they're that's, two that's, very fair points. Yeah. Exactly. I I, I feel um, that's fair. They're hard to interact yeah, yeah. with. So we're both and, coming and from the same perspective. about them. But I don't know if I feel similar anymore. So, uh, Standard will have a lot of walkers played in it, because a lot of them are good. Even some of the uncommon ones will see play, all the rare and mythic ones will probably see some amount of play, I guess. So we'll see more walkers than normal, and the game will fundamentally be different to what it was. I agree. But I don't see that as a bad thing. I don't see it as something that will necessarily last. I don't think we're going to have another set with 36 or 37, including um, the, the buy box. That many planeswalkers in it again. This is similar to how we had a Legends Matter theme with Dominara Kamigawa, or it's the, the, the enchantment creature sets of like Theros, for example. I just see it as a theme or a gimmick, and it will have its time in the sun. It will affect Standard in that way as well. And then we'll move on from that and have a, the next thing. Yeah, but the but set's already a huge be... hit. The set, everybody mm-hmm. is, has, has, has just gone nuts with this excitement for 36 Planeswalkers. They did a great job with the story. So do you think, do you think the positive reception from the community and probably the positive sales numbers will prompt them to do another ensemble crossover event soon? Do you think that will happen soon then? I don't know. What's soon in magic terms? Four years? A couple you of know? years. Because sure. this, this took, what, was it five or six years they put they put all the building blocks in motion? Right. The last five, stuff? Uh, they claim it's since Kaladesh uh, was where this started. Was Kaladesh? When was, was Kaladesh? Because it's all a blur to me. Yes. Being, so, being so close to magic, I'm just like... like <laughs> just try like, and oh, flash <laughs> back to electrostatic pummeler. Just try and flash back to electrostatic pummeler. I, I know, but when, when was that? Yeah, I can't I even. Know, it's, I can't even. But um, yeah, well, I don't know if they'll be that blasé to do it so suddenly again in some ways why so i don't think it's going to damage the gameplay that much if we don't have it all the time i don't know it's damage it'd be fundamentally changed if we have this many walkers all the time right because like you said every game right. there will be ah. some number of walkers in play yeah and I, I think that's another great great example too which is that if you were to say okay well if uh every set were like this, then it certainly wouldn't be the same game. Then how come this set like this is? Gimmick is a great word. I mean, you can take sets like Theros, where it's like enchantment creatures or enchantment, you know, matters and things I mean, like I, that. I guess I guess this is most closely comparable to perhaps the original Mirrodin or Kaladesh itself for how good the artifact synergies were, right? Like sure. To the point that they dominated their standard environments and caused bannings. And even then, I don't think it'll be that bad. Like, no no Planeswalker or Planeswalker-enabling card in this set is going to get banned, right? And maybe, maybe I should maybe, say that. Maybe, that's gonna be like a, I, I, we're going to have an episode in a year's a time where you have a clip, a rewind level. of that. <laughs> and, and that's the other thing, too, is that, you know, in a lot of sets, they really watch power level. And here... As, you know, we said, they went nuts on power level, and I think that's going to make it an explosive set, but that can often get confused with why it was such a great set, and people thinking, what we need are Planeswalkers now, what we need are Planeswalkers now, and and even getting off this to switch gears, what about the idea that, okay, if this is a one-of, if this is only going to happen once, what happens in the next several sets with Planeswalkers? Are we going to be disappointed now? Are expectations going to be, I wish but, we had but I, more? I, but I, I, I can't speak for everyone, but I look forward to a break in some ways from that Planeswalker thing. I wouldn't mind, a, there still will be Planeswalkers. Oh, actually, it'd be really brave if we had a set with just no walkers at all. So we have but they'll never do that. They've know? said they'll never do but, that. But, yeah, I know, I know, I know. But from a storytelling perspective, it would make sense, right? They've all gone to Ravnica. Sure. And it'd, make, it'd be a good breather. So I would like that. I'd and pay I would like money the break. for that. It's like, it's like how they say like silence can augment the things that are being said, right? Pauses and breaks. Right. So I think having a non-Walker set would be great, but that's just me and you and a few others. <laughs> I do fear... Do you think you're being a bit old man yelling at the sky? Yeah, you know, I damage am. on the I stack mean, like, should listen, never have gone? I, I acknowledge that. I'm not acting like I'm not... I, I think it's okay to be an old man yelling at the sky. I, I think it's okay to say when you know, everything is going one direction for there to be someone who says, well, you know, hang on, what are we doing oh, here? Oh, I concur. Uh, I concur, uh, definitely. I, I think it's a huge mistake for them to say, we're never going to do a set without walkers. Why? You do 15 sets a year at this point. You can't do one without walkers. Uh, 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 and if you do, and it's... I, and a, I think that comes from a sales... I mean, I don't... I, tin for hat time. I think that comes from a sales perspective, right? Because walkers sell boxes. Walkers are chase fans. Even when they're bad, people still want the mythics. Right. And newbies want the mythics. Uh, tabletop gamers want the mythics. Now Plains are they going to want the... Un, are them uncommon? Are we going to be hearing everybody complaining that they want That's walkers a good question. and uncommons do, do you in the feel future? that perhaps the sheer amount of them and the lower rarity of them has devalued them as a 
they chase ah, or so now thing? what happens if we took our sure thing everyone always wants the walkers and at the end of just a few months as we always have and we always do people are saying I am so sick of planeswalkers I'm opening packs and I'm getting uncommon and rare planeswalkers in the same pack and it's just right in the jank pile uh, and and it, and it hits a point where then after this we have our, our usual offerings of, of a couple mythic walkers and a couple of them are not so great and everybody is over it and suddenly what if we just killed the golden goose? Did we just kill the golden goose here? And and we went from planeswalkers, it's the things that sell packs even when they're bad, to planeswalkers, now they're no different than any other card and, and everybody's sick of them. And then can you imagine if we hit a point where the draft environment and the standard environment, just as we always are doing, oh I'm so sick of this card, I'm so sick of this card, and mm -hmm. People are mm -hmm. literally just saying, I'm so sick of planeswalkers. I can't wait until these planeswalkers are gone. That could be a big disaster as I, I, well. And that, that could be a thing that happens. And in some ways, that'll be fine because they can then just peel back on it. They can go back to, you know, f two to five walkers per set. And so, so I want to put on the table in, in around this that I'm interested to find out how you feel about this as well. Is I think that having a planeswalker heavy set was definitely the correct decision to do for the big crossover, big ensemble, big uh, culmination of all the storylines. Like... When I heard about it, I was worried, but as they have introduced each of the characters, the art that's on them is fantastic, and the way they've done spoiler season, where walkers have showed up periodically over the time, alongside their cards that tell story moments as well, has made it feel more like an event, and more like a narrative, and more like a story that I wanted to follow. I bought the novel, like all of the novel, which I, obviously the novels haven't been around for a while, so I couldn't have done it for a while, but I've, I've just gone, oh, that's it, I'm buying the novel, I, I want yeah. it. That, I think they did a great job with all that of that with the marketing. Story. I think they've done an amazing job with that. Uh, uh, it's great. Do you think they should do that more? Do you think they should do this I don't think the they can keep it up because I don't think they can. It's okay. Let me put it this way. We've got the guilds of Ravnica and they did this. We, we returned to Ravnica. Everyone freaked out over the guilds, the guild symbols. They're identifying with the guilds. And they asked that question. Should we do that more? And then it's like, okay. Now we're going to go to Tarkir, and we've got the Tarkir clans, and then we're going to go back to the core set, and the core set's going to have the monocolors, and 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 they tried to make it so that every set you're picking a tribe, and it yes, didn't yes. it didn't work it didn't work because it wasn't the same as the Ravnican guilds, and I think the same thing is like this story what they did was spectacular in terms of 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 how they presented it, and like you described, it's like now this Walker arrived and all this stuff, but I don't think that suddenly we can be in what is it the viking plane and it's like oh no it's you know flargesnarg the god of the dead he has arrived is that how you pronounce philip flargesnarg is that the, the little blue right. with the or, eye, or right? what have you and i i think that it's going to get to but i think i think that could work especially, especially actually I, I think it can't I think all the vo do that it just won't work i think they can so so it's similar to marvel movies right marvel movies all blur into one because they're all the same they all follow similar formulas they've got similar humor similar the world's at stake thing and you get this with comic books a lot where things feel downplayed because why is Batman worried about the bomb on the bridge if the Flash could just run in and, and sure, shut the bomb sure, out right? sure, you, sure. you get that that's not so Marvel will, though that's not Marvel that's DC uh, that is DC I was more I was jumping from the Marvel universe and I jumped to a different point slightly to talk no, about comics, the Marvel about and DC they actually don't uh, 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 you can't go from Marvel to DC. I, I, I know, I know that. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm probably way more to comic books than you are, Brian. To, to push my nerd glasses up and like tip my fedora. I wouldn't be pushing, anyway. up, I wouldn't be pushing up my nerd glasses if I just used uh, Batman and the Flash as an example of Marvel movies. But anyway, go on. I wouldn't did, be pushing did, up well, my nerd. For the record, glasses. for anyone watching, DC comic books are way better than Marvel comic books. But anyway, back to the original point is they start to downplay other stories if you have these like the, the big space operas and the big like fanciful crossovers and stuff because they make everything things seem mundane uh by comparison but i do also think there's perhaps room for things like with the viking set you said things can't always be epic but the viking set's the example of where it can be we are waiting for the depiction of thor in magic right or whatever the equivalent is the thunder god and, and who his father is and yes because people expect that stuff so when we went to when we went to amonkhet people were like where's the pyramids what do they do where's the relics what is what are mummies like in the setting and what are the gods like when we go to the Viking setting, people are waiting to find out what are the gods like, what is the equivalent of Valhalla, is there a Ragnarok, is there a giant snake, and will some god punch it? And they can tell a story through sequential reveals of cards that I did this time to build more of a story element, then stick a novel in, get a novel written by some, some fantasy art um, writer that people are excited about, stick that in there, stick it in the fat pack box. 
stick it in the fat box that. with some boosters. I agree with that. I'll I agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> I agree but with that. My point is, certain settings, they can do that epic stuff. But I also would like them to do, again, those silences, those periods of quiet where we don't have walkers all the time. Or we have more human stories about... I don't know, like, the way like, Lauren was back back then, you know, the, the the story about the Fae and the Eventide, they can go and do that stuff without the need for walkers. And that way, when walkers show up, they are like, these godlike superhero characters and we get some juxtaposition, some back and forth. And it isn't always, you know, turned up to 11 and epic because then we get the feeling that things can be epic. They can't make everything epic at all times, but, but they probably will try to because that sells more packs, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I, I guess maybe my feeling is is that I get very worn out of gimmicks. I want more of a substance. I, I feel less like I, I, I'm go I'm looking for we've got thirty six planeswalkers and there's a planeswalker in every pack. And what I'm really looking for is a lot more of like let's look at how the cards play, what they do. And now in this set, it's got that too. I think that we took that and we threw the gimmick on top of it, and, and that's fine, that's great, but I worry that there's going to be a But it was the right gimmick, right? Yeah, It was I the guess. correct gimmick. Like, to do the big final boss battle against the big bad, yeah. you needed to either have heroic figureheads from things like, like Jehoira and people like that, oh, yeah. or the well, walkers, because well, they've replaced Jehoira those characters isn't now. in the set, she's not a planeswalker, she can't travel from Dominaria to Ravnica. Exactly, but that's what I'm Have saying. They, God, what I'm saying Vince, is... Uh, don't be pushing up those nerd glasses. Wait, stop it. Stop it. Stop it with your stupid trolley nonsense and listen to what I'm saying. They had two <laughs> ways to go with it. <laughs> they had two ways to go with it, right? They can they can bring in these big heroic figureheads that we can all relate to, similar to like how you pick your tribe or your guild or whatever. Mm -hmm. These characters that you like, like my favorite superhero is Iron Man. It's not, but that sort of thing. But what they've done instead of having the heroic characters like Gerard and and Miri and and Jehoira, they've now replaced the majority of those characters with the Walkers <laughs> as the figureheads, right? Yeah. So they had to do one or the other. They could have done it that the weatherlight was back to how it was. They can bring them in. But the next set could be the Phyrexians invading a plane, and we don't need any walkers for that. We can just have Elish Norn show up, and everyone's like, what, it's Elish Norn, and we can go back to... See, you don't need walkers to tell the story. You don't really. have to convince me. But I don't want walkers, uh, uh, but there's always going to be walkers. And I, I think I am coming down a little. I, I want to clarify, but, because but, I'm, okay, I'm... Okay, so there you go. Sequential spoilers, right? Next set, we're going to have the Phyrexians invade Viking realms, and then one halfway through the spoilers, we haven't had a single walker yet. And I was like, is there going to be walkers? Is there not? And they're teasing it. And then Koth shows up. Koth like, rocks up out of a portal, and he's like... I'm here, bitches. And he's just, he's there to wreck Phyrexians, you know? I mean, it's Koth of the Hammer is Heathor? Oh, he fits. He's They're like, Koth, you like hammer. hammers? And they throw him Milnior and he's like, yes, smashes yes. Elishnorn's face in. And so, so I, I want to just clarify that I'm not, uh, uh, I'm I'm thinking back on how I must have sounded, and I, I do like to be the old man who yells at the cloud, but I'm not dour about the set. I think this set's a home run. Like, like, I haven't played in it yet, but I do feel that this set is is an absolute home run. I don't think anything is is really a problem. I'm just also the sort of person who, when everything works, goes, well, what's next? Like, like let me put it this way. We've got uh, uh, Infinity War coming up, right? And and mm -hmm. uh, 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 I'm the sort of person who after, or I'm sorry, not Infinity War, War coming up, Endgame coming up. Endgame. I'm the sort of person who, everybody went in to watch Infinity War, and everyone loved Infinity War, right? That was big hit. Everybody loved it. They said it was a amazing and i'm the sort of person who comes out of that and goes wow that was amazing a plus but i'm worried how are they going to be able to pull pull off that sequel like how are they going to be able to fix this this is not going to work they're going to do some time travel shenanigans and everyone's going to be disappointed and 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 that's that's kind of what i'm saying is i think that that this set really was infinity war that war of the spark is the infinity war i think they actually really did lift it from that but that's another story uh and yeah, sure and, you follow, and i think you they did a trains, great job right? yeah. but i also i also feel like and then what we're going to the viking plane and it's going to feel anti-climactic and two walkers are we going to do walkers again now 
only time can tell, only time can see. Living in the moment, living in the now, I think War of the Spark, it, it, it is a phenomenal set. I'm so excited think, for I it. Think, but I, I think you're right, though. I yeah. think you're right to have that, like, look to the horizon with a maybe sure. an, a hint of pessimism. I guess I'm more hopeful about it. I, I, <laughs> but I'm also, I'm throwing out conjecture all over the shop, like, what if they do this? What if they do that? And they won't. There will just be walkers in the next set, and we'll carry on have walkers at the end of time. And that's, and to fact, I've kind of grown accustomed to it, and I'm kind of like, okay, like, it's this is superhero fiction now. And I love right. comic books, so I love sure. superhero fiction. And that's fine. Yeah, you know? it's just it's not quite the Dungeon Dragons party of adventures on a sure. on a interplanar ship that some of the older people yelling at the sky might be more accustomed to. You know, right, right. You Although love, I am you love, excited you for when super- they finally. Sorry, go on. I was just going to say you love superheroes, except for Iron Man, who it, it, No, I don't dislike Iron Man. I no. just, he wasn't my favorite. He's not your favorite. Do you favorite. understand that? There's not, not, there's not absolutes. There's not like favor and hatred. He's like, not I can, your favorite like of, the DC, of the DC superheroes. No, he's a Marvel character, yes, yes. and you're not oh, just being oh. really weird and stuff. Oh, okay, at no point, okay. at no point did I say he's a DC character, Brian. No. You, no. you, you stop. Okay. Okay. Uh, speaking of things on the horizon, Vince, uh, where can we find you on the horizon? What do you have coming up on the horizon for our viewers to check out? I'm at Magic Fest London this weekend, so please come say hello. Come have a chat to me about superhero fiction or, or, or magic or War of the Spark or any of that jazz. I'm always up for a chat. Um, I'll be there. I've also got content coming out. It'll be a bit more spread out for the next week or so, but I'll be back to my modern and legacy shenanigans usually. Probably a bit more standard now as well with War of the Spark. Also, depending on when this goes out, on Tuesday I'm streaming War of the Spark, both standard and sealed, mixing it up, going back and forth from 3pm BST on Tuesday, the whatever time... Uh, 23rd! See, I know what I'm doing, my schedule. So if this is out before the 23rd, come join me for some War of the Spark gameplay. What are you up to, Brian? What's your plans for the next week or so? Well, uh, as always, you can catch me on Talarian Community College, which is hopefully where you are right now. And in addition to that, I've been doing a lot of streaming myself. I've been streaming just about every uh, uh, day in the afternoon Pacific time, a few evenings, few mornings. And so if you haven't already caught one of my streams, that's definitely the new area to be. But other than that, uh, I will be at pre-release at Mox Boarding House Ballard. So if you are in the area uh, and not uh, in London, you can maybe come on down and say hi to me there. And whether you are in London or you are in Seattle or you are somewhere else in this great, great multiverse of ours, both Vince and I hope you have a great pre-release. Go on down to your local game store, get some games of magic, have some fun. And if you're having fun, you're doing it correctly. And until next time... And DC's better than Marvel! Sure. Uh, I I don't like those movies, but if you like those those DC movies more than Marvel movies, Vince, which you're now on record as saying... No, not the movies! Why not the movies? DC comics are better than Marvel comics. I've already muted you, so no one can hear what you're saying. They can only hear what I'm saying, and that's because, yes, it doesn't matter. It's, it's, uh, you're muted, and you have now said... And you have now, and you have now said that you prefer DC movies to Marvel movies. So that's how we all know what kind of a nerd you are. Credits.